Today's episode of Peers to Peers is powered by Shopify, the leading global commerce company that's shaping today's entrepreneurial economy. What started as three mates in a coffee shop trying to sell a snowboard has ended in thousands of employees around the world, bringing over 1.7 million businesses to life. You could say Shopify is a peer to us and entrepreneurs around the world. So peers, if you're looking to start your own business, head to shopify.com.au for your 14-day free trial. Hello, peers, and welcome to the Peers to Peers podcast, powered by Shopify. Peers speaking, peers listening. This is a conversation for you. I'm your host, Michelle Akidinol, founder of Leading Australian Podcast Agency and 2021 Australian Podcast Awards finalists, The Peers Project, and your fellow passionate peer. Each week, I invite an inspiring millennial entrepreneur from around the globe to chat with me. No filters, just real talk, peer-to-peer. Together, we unpack what it takes to go your own way, pursue your passion, and why there's really nothing better. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoy our podcast, please do pass it on. The more peers, the merrier. I've got a question for you, peers. Do you consider yourself ambitious? This week's guest does, without hesitation. And she credits being an immigrant and growing up in the Democratic Republic of Congo for her desire and determination to achieve great things. But serial entrepreneur Noemi Mwaka also believes ambition is both a blessing and a curse. She's so driven that one business just isn't enough. So for now, she settled on three. No biggie. One of which is Aluka, an online platform that allows individuals living abroad to pay for their loved one's healthcare expenses back home instantly. Noemi joins the podcast today to chat about growing up in the Democratic Republic of Congo and how the wisdom she received from her parents as a child helps her cultivate self-love today. She shares her favourite daily affirmations, her advice for tackling burnout, and reminds us that our mind is the most powerful tool for success. Before we dive in, I want to remind you to please share this episode. Take a screenshot right now, post it to your Instagram story and tag us at The Peers Project so that together we can share today's message and conversation with our peers out there who may just need to hear it. Okay, peers, without further ado, welcome Noemi. Noemi, welcome to the Peers to Peers podcast. We're so excited to have you on the show today. Thank you. I'm excited too. Awesome. You and I recently connected and when I looked into you and all of the amazing work you're doing in health tech and healthcare, I knew I had to have you come on the show. So I really appreciate you taking the time. Thank you. Thank you so much. Of course. Right. So look, for those of us who don't know who you are and what you do, tell us a little bit about yourself. 
Yeah, my name is Noemi Mwaka, born and raised in Kinshasa, capital city of Congo, which is actually where I am right now as we speak. I just landed from Ireland because I'm crazy. I'm originally from Congo. I immigrated to Canada when I was eight years old. Now I'm 31. And so all of my ventures have to do with technology and health. So I studied public health in university, Simon Fraser, which is the Vancouver area. And from that point on, for my master's, I went on to do work in South Africa for HIV and maternal health. And then after I graduated, I got my first seed fund to do my first startup, which was digitizing paper-based medical records in maternal health unit east of Congo. And then after that, it's now my new baby, which is Aluka. Ultimately, what we're doing is that we're creating an app that lets people order medication online and to be delivered by motorbike to their home in Congo and Nigeria. So you can be a Westerner living anywhere in the West, whether that's Australia, Western Europe, North America, or you can be in-country, whether that's Congo or Nigeria, and you order medication online, upload your prescription, and then we have motorbikes that pick up the drug and then deliver to your door. I also have another business that I started with my dad in the agriculture space, providing opportunities for women and when it comes to honey. So we have a huge farm here in Congo that we acquired last year and that we're building from scratch the land and we cultivate forest honey and it's made by women. These are local vulnerable populations. And then my third app is Kin Spots, which highlights tourism and attraction in Congo, which we're launching next month. So all of my business altogether always have an element of technology, women in a way besides Kin Spots. But really my heart is in health and technology for Congo. I love it, Noemi. It's so cool. It's so great. And honestly, I think running one business is a lot. You run three. So, you know, just hats off to you. And I can't wait to dive deeper into it. But before I do, we'd love to start with a question that I've often found to be very insightful and revealing. And that is, what was it like growing up in Congo? And how has this impacted the choices you've made in your life and in your career so far? Truth be told, like I have an incredible childhood, an incredible, incredible childhood. Mom and dad at the time had a beautiful marriage. I always get emotional when I talk about my parents because I really think they're the pillar of everything I stand for. They really raised me with confidence and I was so loved at home. I think that's a huge part of why I've accomplished what I've accomplished because I have parents who never made me feel like because I'm a girl or because whatever, my skin color, it just didn't matter to them. I'll never forget, I was like six years old. I go up to my dad and I'm like, dad, I have this vision. One day, these women in Congo that are poor, I'm going to help them by making sure that they have access to basic care. And he looked at me, he was like, you can do it, honey. And I think I just always had that attitude. So I think in Congo at home, it was always solid. Now, the moment you walk outside, you see the severe poverty in the country and it's quite traumatizing and at a young age my mom she comes from a poor family so she will always take me to orphanages she always make me go see her extended family members and you become very much aware of the level of privilege and how you owe it to help mitigate that gap and so i think when you grow up in a third world country and then you immigrate a high-income country like canada you have this sort of just position of two worlds of economies and so you have this drive as an immigrant to just make it. And I think that always drove me. I always think of these women in Congo that just don't even have the basic malaria care and they die because of it. And that breaks my heart every time. So 
that's sort of what inspired my work in everything that I do. And that's why I always come back to Congo. It always grounds me and it reminds me of my purpose on this earth. I love asking that question because I think where we grew up, the influence our parents had on us is huge, hugely shapes who we are. You know, I love that your mom and dad were, you know, you can do anything. What was the greatest lesson outside of that that they taught you growing up? I think they taught me so much, honestly. One of the many things my parents really have taught me is that the mind is your most powerful muscle and tool. So you become what you think sort of thing. Obviously, like there is the idea of equity and that there's some population, no matter how great they think they are, they just will never have access to certain things. But my parents really taught me that for me, like they really raised me at a young age. Like if you think you're beautiful, if you think you're smart, if you think you can do it, it starts with the mind learn to sort of train your mind to think highly of itself and the rest will follow. And I think that also speaks to manifestation. So that really was one of the biggest things that they taught me. And I think number two thing that they really taught me, the concept of self-love and confidence. I'll never forget, I think it was when we were in Canada. At the time, I was like 12 years old. At the time, I was a very large kid, chubby, and I'm darker in skin tone as a Black woman. And I remember at that time, you look at the magazines, you look at the TV, and you just don't see anyone that looks like you. And I remember going up to my mom and I was like, mom, I just want to like bleach my skin because I just feel like I think I'll be prettier if I look a certain way. And I'll never forget my mom like lost it on me, lost it. And she was like, how dare you? You are beautiful. You know how many people wish they look like you? And she said something that really hit me. And my dad always says this to me as well. She was like, you have to love yourself before other people can love you. And no one owes that to you. Like If you go through life expecting people to love you and validate you, you're going to run out of your breath and you're never going to be content. And so learn to just love yourself. Yeah, acknowledge some of the flaws that you may see, but overall love yourself and let that be your guide through life. And I really think that speaks to the confidence that they've instilled in me. And for that, I will forever be grateful. How can we get better at loving ourselves? I think there's many factors, I really think. Number one, not speaking to more the sort of adult or young adult that may be listening, I think, believe it or not, your surrounding is a huge factor, right? Like, I'm very purposeful about the kind of friendships that I cultivate and the kind of people that I surround myself by. And I tend to gravitate towards those that are more on the positive side of things, those who equally confident, or even when they do have insecurities, they manage to just not bring others down. We uplift each other. I really think you're the product of your environment. If you hang out with four or five people that are confident, that live a wellness life, that live a positive life, it will rub on you. But if you surround yourself by people that are on the negative side, that could include family, as bad as that sounds, you're going to struggle loving yourself. I think it's really a thing. Number two, I think the things you listen to, the things you watch. So I think learning to really read or like things that are very more on the positive side of things. And I think the big one too that goes with social media. Like I think there's so much article on this how things like Instagram have really influenced people's self-esteem. And if you feel triggered by those things, remove yourself. And I think another big one is affirmations. So every morning I'll make my nieces see things like I'm smart, I'm beautiful. I don't want them to just focus on beauty. I don't want them to just focus on brains. I want them to focus on both together. So I will make them see that out loud. And it's actually strategic. I literally make them say it out loud until it's ingrained in them. So I'm very big on affirmations on a daily basis. So those are the ways that I cultivate self-love. I love that. What are some of the affirmations that you say to yourself on the daily or on the weekly? 
Yeah, I think especially when you're running businesses, there's so many times when you want to give up. And there's so many times when you feel like the odds are against you. Because I think being a business owner, I always say, I'm ultimately on this earth to solve problems. And sometimes that can be very heavy and draining, especially in the context of the work that I do. But I think the daily affirmation is something that I tell myself every morning. Like, I'll do some deep breath, which is a form of meditation. And literally at the end of every breath, I say, you are at peace. You are content. You have more than enough. So I think for me now, I'm past the stage of, like, appearance and such. But I'm at the stage of, like, learning to be content and not always chasing the next thing, which is really hard when you're ambitious. Because what fuels you is your ability to never be satisfied. But I think daily affirmations that I tell myself is sort of a form of gratitude. You're good enough. You have an incredible family. You have amazing friends. You have good health while living in a very impoverished country. You have access to stuff. I really remind myself of those things as a form of affirmation. So it's a form of gratitude. I love it gratitude practice. And I think a daily one is optimal. I think sometimes though, we can get so busy with our businesses, with all the things that we have to do, you know, how important is it for you to take that time out for yourself daily? And for our peers out there listening, who maybe just feel like I just literally feel at capacity and my mind runs all the time thinking about my business, you know, what advice would you give to us around taking that time out for ourselves? Yeah, this is a great one. It's actually one that I literally, I can confidently say that I just conquered last year. Before that, I was a mess. So full transparency, I've battled with insomnia since the age of 17, and now I'm 31. So you can imagine the majority of my adult life where I didn't really sleep well. I'll be lucky if I got three hours of deep sleep in a night. By the way, I mentioned that I immigrated to Canada, and in the last three years before moving to Congo, I was living in San Diego, California. And then this year, I just moved to Congo for the year for my businesses. I think one thing that really changed me while living in California, I always say I have New York girl energy living in the West Coast. So it's a very different mindset. And so the California culture is very slow. There's a lot of affluent population. So these are people that really value yoga, wellness, eating well. And just there's something about hot weather and the beach that I think attracts people that are a bit more on the laid back side. But I think it really taught me that you make time for what's important. And I know that sounds so cliche. And I know for some people, they're like, well, that's not possible. I'm always running around. In all truth, we live in a generation where we're very stimulated all the time. I'm guilty of this. The moment I wake up, first thing I do is check my phone. You are constantly stimulated in this generation, right? We went from an industrial economy to now a digital economy where a lot of our work is on our phone. And we always feel like we have to be on. We always feel like we have to respond to messages right away. It's this constant pressure we put on ourselves. And I think for me, what I started doing, I started literally, it's a form of discipline. So one thing is like in the morning part between 6 a.m. and 9 a.m., it's my me time. And so I time block my calendar on Google Calendar. It's the only way for me to function, actually. I had to time block. So from Monday to Friday, 6 a.m. to 9 a.m., it's my me time. So what that looks like is in the morning, first thing I do, I drink water with lemon. I do some deep breath. Then I take a shower. And then after that, I listen to a podcast or I read a book around eight to nine. I literally check my emails. I make a to-do list for my day and make sure that I'm on top of things. Then I start my day. And then before I go to bed, usually about 9 p.m. Because I try to go to bed by 1030 the latest. Around 9 p.m., either I call my nieces to say hi, so we're just off for 10, 15 minutes, because they're kids and they make me so happy. 
or I'll make sure that I always read a book before bed. And it can be anything. If you're not much of a reader, just find something that's a light read and like mind numbing. And so for me, it's usually romantic books before bed or a business book, but usually romantic books because it's a form of escapism. And so I do that before bed and I just turn off my phone and then I go to bed. So I think I've learned to time block things. And even in terms of from 9 a.m. to like evening time, I will literally put time slots on my calendar. Like one thing I started doing too is like once a week, I go get a massage. Twice a week, I go at the pool. It just, it has to be my calendar of those kind of times of wellness. So I time block these things and I have it on my calendar or else I just feel like I don't have enough time to do anything. So those are the things that I've changed to make time. Time blocking, such a game changer. I want to talk and go a bit deeper into as you mentioned, and I so appreciate you sharing with us, the fact that you had insomnia from 17, I think you said through to now, you know, what was that time like? What do you think led to that? And how did you navigate through that intense period? Yeah, I think to be honest, it's a blessing and a curse. I always say ambition is a blessing and a curse. It just is a sad reality. And anyone listening that's ambitious or Anyone that's a creative, I think also creative folks, it's almost like your mind is always racing. I always have ideas. I always want to do certain things. There's so much I want to do with these companies and my brain is constantly racing towards those goals. And I think a lot of my insomnia stems from that. It stems from this sort of internalized or subconscious pressure of always achieving the next goal, of always wanting to create a business or something. And I think I had to really learn And it's hard and I'm still working on it. My sleep is not on par just yet, but I really battle with it because I had to learn to practice to not shut down my brain, but slow it down. And I think it was funny because in my 20s, I was running around. It's almost like you're on a high, but you don't realize it. And I think a lot of times in your 20s, that feeling of like lack of sleep and stuff like that, I thought it was like stimulating. But then it started in my late 20s, especially around 26, I started having a lot of burnouts just burnouts and then you're having breakdowns <laughs> and, and then you're just crying and then you're like snapping at people and then you're always hungry and then you're always dehydrated. You're like, this is not normal. And so I think for me, my body just crashed. It's sad that it took that much. So I think what really changed the last year, even my work ethic, I'm still ambitious and I still like hard work. However, I think I had to put away the hustle culture and shift how I see hard work and not feel so guilty of like sometimes just sitting and doing nothing, which is so hard for me. But I had to learn to do that or else my brain doesn't stop and it affects my sleep. For our peers that they're listening who feel like they're at that point that you were at at 26, you know, absolutely burnt out, you know, run the job, had the side hustle at night every night. For those of us who were going through right now, perhaps similar to what you went through in your mid-20s and just don't know how to find a way out. What advice would you give to us as we navigate through that? I think, to be honest with you, you can have it all, but you cannot have it all at the same time. And I think making peace with that, making peace with the concept of time, the subconscious of like this burnout culture is really this anxiety, right? Of like, I need to do it now. I don't have enough time. I need to just run through the motions or else time is running out and I'm screwed. But I really think this idea of like, you can have it all, but it's not at the same time. 
And I think being okay with that is like the number one thing. There's always going to be opportunities out there. If you're someone that wants to go and achieve things, believe it or not, there's endless amount of opportunities. And I think that also goes with the mind of cultivating a abundance mindset, which is I'm good enough. There's going to be opportunities out there. And you're going to attract those opportunities, but it's also learning. And I think this is another one that I really had to learn of the beginning of your career. You have to say yes to things because you don't have a resume. You don't have nothing to show for, but at some point in your career, a few years in, you really start to know what you like and what you don't like and learning to say no to things, not feeling like you have to say yes to everything and taking on too much. And I think that was a big one that I had to learn. And I think thirdly, really learning sometimes to just rest. And what does that look like for you? For me, sometimes it looks like on weekends, you know, I started in Congo here. We have like this small little three-bedroom family home by the water. It's like two hours away. On weekends, sometimes I just go there with my dog, with my nieces, and I just chill there. And I think learning to do things that work for you, that could be hiking, that could be the gym, that could be spending time with family, have that one or two things that allows you to just be still and be present. And I think that's really, 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 really important to learn to juggle that because that would really help you with burnout and like controlling the mind. What's one of the things that you're most focused on right now to help prevent any future burnout, anything associated with you not being able to kind of just be content, be at peace? I think one of the biggest things that I actually started getting back to, which I used to do when I was younger, I started volunteering again. And I think being in the third world, you can volunteer anywhere. I remember in Canada, I used to volunteer all the time. There's always needs, especially with vulnerable populations. And I think in Congo, there's so many needs. Because of the nature of my businesses, I'm more on the operational side, I'm more on the technology side. And a lot of what I do is from home or from the airport or anywhere. I have my phone or my laptop and internet. So I think sometimes you can feel removed from the population that you intend to serve. And so one thing I started doing, I started volunteering again once a week at a local women's shelter in Congo. And I think that just really helps me. There's something about it. Like when I'm there, like I'm not there knowing me the entrepreneur. I'm just knowing me the helper. And I think being around this population that is like nothing, it just really forces me to just be like, okay, right now I'm here to clean. I'm here to serve them. And then after you leave and after you talk to some of these women, you come home and you just see a prayer of gratitude and you're just like, okay, for today, I'm just going to read a book and we're done. So I think for me, that's something that I really decided to prioritize. And secondly, another one I do have to add is family. And again, there's a time and place for this. The majority of my life being a nomad where I was literally traveling every other week and my ambition at the time, I really think family, I have to be honest, was just not a priority. And that comes, especially when you're a founder of a business, it's a tough part. Sometimes you're going to miss birthdays, you're going to miss family gatherings, you're going to miss friends' parties. And you have to find people in your life that get you and support you. But I think for me now, although I'm still sometimes not able to attend things, I try to prioritize those key relationships that includes family and best friends and make sure that I'm there for the milestones as much as I can which means sometimes saying no to certain business opportunities so I can be present with my loved ones. So those are the two things that I really started doing to help me prevent burnout and just be present. So well said. Oh my goodness, Noemi, this has been so, so cool. So, so great to chat. You know, over the last five years since starting out on your entrepreneurial journey amongst all of the businesses you've built and are building, you've really gone from strength to strength. You know, in amongst the failures, there have been wins. 
thankfully, and most notably you were featured on the 2019 Forbes 30 Under 30 list. What are three key pieces of advice that you would give our peers out there listening that you wish you got when you were just starting out? Number one, you're more than your outcome, especially outwardly outcome. Learn to sort of detach yourself sometimes in terms of your identity. It's okay to be multifaceted, you know? So don't just be the business person. Be the person that goes exercises, that hikes, that volunteers. Just separate your identity from that. It's super important because it'll get you back up when you feel like giving up. I think number two, I think very much have a purpose. I think it's so important. Have a purpose and let that purpose be greater than just about you. It's so important. It's very fulfilling. Whether that's building a family, whether that's you being single and serving the poor, whatever it is, find a purpose that's greater than you because that's what's going to get you back up every single time you want to give up. And I think number three, this one is hands down my favorite, and I talk about this a lot on my YouTube channel. I think be confident. Be confident. I think believe in yourself. And I get it. It's not easy for most people. I don't think everybody is confident naturally, but learn to cultivate that confidence muscle because there's nothing more beautiful than someone who's confident. Even when they feel like imposter syndrome, they feel like they don't deserve to be in a certain room. They don't deserve a certain seat. But that confidence reminds them that, you know what? Heck no. I deserve to be here. Like, who cares? So I think have that confidence in yourself and don't seek it from others. Let it be inward. So those would be the three pieces of advice that I would give. So, so great. Look, Noemi, before I ask you the final question, I just want to take a moment to acknowledge you for the incredible work you've done and that you're doing, you know, for showing us, in particular us, young, ambitious women of colour, that if we have that vision, that goal and that dream, we actually can turn it into our reality, although it won't be easy and we will go through all the stages of failure we can do it as long as we have the confidence and we back ourselves. And for that, we really appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Of course. So the final question is how we finish every episode of the Peers to Peers podcast. And that is, what is the value of pursuing what you're most passionate about? I think to me, it goes down to compassion. I think it's always a key word that stands out to me in terms of value is compassion. I think in everything that I do, even with Aluka, even with the farm, even kids, but like there's something about just looking at someone else and just, you may never know what it's like to be a homeless person on the street begging for food, but you can have a heart and say, I'm in a position of power, position of privilege more than this person. What can I do within my small little bubble to mitigate this gap? Let me feel for them. So I think for me, the biggest value I add is compassion, hands down. I love it. Noemi, thank you so much. This has been so, so cool to chat. We so appreciate you sharing your wisdom with us. Where can we learn more about you and all of your amazing businesses? Thank you. I think, yeah, for sure. I started a YouTube channel just to share my knowledge because I was getting so many questions. So if you go on YouTube, Noemi and Co, you'll find me. And then on there, you'll see all my businesses, Aluka, Lubembo and Ken Spots. So that's the best way to reach me. And honestly, thank you guys so much for this interview. This was super fun. Absolutely. We'll pop them in the show notes and you're so welcome. And for everyone else listening, we will end with that.
Thank you for tuning in to the latest episode of the Peers to Peers podcast, powered by Shopify. Remember, Peers, we're here to help you turn your passion into a business. And so is Shopify. And so if you're looking to start your biz, head to shopify.com.au for your 14-day free trial. Peers, that's a wrap. Thank you for tuning in to the latest episode of the Peers to Peers podcast, powered by Shopify. We hope you've enjoyed your introduction to our latest guest peer and that you find them as gung-ho as we do. For more, make sure to subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a review. We produce with passion and it doesn't stop here. To see what else we're up to, visit thepeersproject.com or follow us on Instagram at thepeersproject. We'll have fresh, real talk for you next week, peers. Until then, if you need inspiration, look amongst your peers. <laughs>